0: What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Do you have a fantasy you want to explore that's giving you butterflies? Are you curious about dominance or submission? And is bondage a good way to spice up your sex life? Whether you're into BDSM or not, we can all learn from its tenets. We'll explore all of these fun topics today with the incomparable Mistress Justine Cross. First, some awesome offerings. Christmas is just around the corner. If you're looking for ways to bring more wow under the mistletoe, check out the online courses at beducated.com forward slash store. I especially recommend Vegucated's Sensual Massage courses. They're $20 off right now, and they're all about spending quality time together, about giving and receiving pleasure. And isn't that what the holidays are all about? Plus, you'll help the planet by buying less stuff. Epic win. Use the code GIRLBONER, no spaces, to get $20 off their best-selling female orgasm online course, which I explored for you all the other week. The tips and demonstrations are awesome. Gift it to yourself and loved ones via Beducated.com or using the link in the show notes. Also, who couldn't use a good snow job? The Pleasure Chest is hopped up on pleasure and maybe a little nog, so they're continuing their snow job savings through December. In case you missed the last sale or forgot a few folks on your naughty list, they're offering 10% off orders $200 up through January 1st, 2020. This excludes holiday kits. Remember, all orders over $75 Always receive free shipping. Go deep on savings online only. Head to thepleasurechest.com or click the link in the show notes to start shopping. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Mistress Justine Cross. Justine is a lifestyle dominatrix and BDSM consultant based in Los Angeles. She also owns and operates Dungeon East, a minimal, modern paradise, and Dungeon West, its atmospheric West LA counterpart. She is the boss of everyone except her cat no one is the boss of cats. Thank you for joining me, Justine. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. I'm sure people ask you this all the time. How did you get into this work? Um, Yeah, you know, I I did this in my personal life for a very long time. And then um, after college, I moved out to Los Angeles and I Googled Los Angeles Dungeon, and I, I just started working at one. <laughs> so um, I knew uh, other friends in my personal life who did this professionally, so it seemed like kind of normal and, like, fine. And, you know, I also read this book, I Was a Teenage Dominatrix um, by Shauna Kenny, and my friends just said, you know, I think you should do this. And, yeah, it ended up, this is what I'm doing now.
0: Did you take to it immediately? Was it something that as soon as you started, you were like, oh, I found the thing I want to do? Um... Yes. Well,
1: yes, I know. I mean, because in terms of like it started out as something that was more of like a a part time job in terms of BDSM uh, professionally. (laughs) So in my personal life, yes, I always like loved it. That was fine. But, um, you know, I didn't know when I first stepped into the dungeon that like you know, 10 years later, I'd be running two of my own. You know, So that was definitely not expected. But you know, I have a liberal arts education. So I guess I should have. Um, So it's, uh, yeah, it it always felt natural to me. I think that for me, because I have a background, I have degrees in literature and psychology, I always thought that I would do something like go back to graduate school, um, get an, you know, PhD in English, something like that. I didn't think I'd go into something that was more business oriented, because that's not my background. And that's not exactly what I was sort of groomed for. It was more um, like writing, education, things like that. So I didn't expect this. um, But I ended up being very good at business. So here I am. And I I honestly couldn't be happier (laughs) with the way that things have turned out.
0: So tell us a little bit about um, maybe I'm sure you don't have a typical workday. But Mm -hmm. what would working with you be like? Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, the one thing is it's like there's no typical days. Generally, it's like I wake up, you know, have my breakfast. I do some kind of workout, um, have lunch, do like emails and sort of like office stuff. And then depending on the day, if I I might be shooting that day, I might be having a session. I might just be doing the back end work of, you know, maintaining websites and content and stuff like that. Um, I generally go out like almost every night of the week because it's like I'm I always say like I'm all day the only people I spend time with are slaves and my cats and cats are the only ones good at conversation. So I'm always like going out and organizing like dinners and stuff with my friend because like I don't have coworkers. so I'm not tired of people all day. like I want to spend time with people. so uh, a lot of socializing so and networking kind of events, like things like that. so
0: And what are some of the most common fantasies that people bring to you in sessions or, mm-hmm. or want to activate and engage in?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's oh, there, there's so many. I think it's mostly the things that I do most commonly. So it's things like foot fetish, uh, worshipping my feet, um, tickling is another big one, also uh, corporal punishment. So that's like any sort of hitting of the body. Um, those things are fairly typical. Um, humiliation, cross-dressing, some financial domination, things like that. But those are sort of the more the typical things.
0: And would you say that, uh, I guess— do you find that certain populations especially love a certain fetish? Um, you've mentioned that some women find a lot of power in dominance. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that people who have like really high powered jobs sometimes want to be dominated. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I think part of the, the, the last thing that you said about like having high powered do- jobs, people want to be dominated. It's, you know, a, a lot of people want to be dominated from all different walks of life. It's just that the people who are in power tend to be the ones who can afford it more easily. <laughs> so, you know, they're coming in a lot more and they need to come in a lot more um, and they should um, because they have the extra disposable income to have. So, um, you know, it it really depends. Like I found for some reason, because um, I travel, I tour a lot throughout the United States and um, sometimes like worldwide but mostly I go on vacations internationally now but um in terms of what I found in like my sort of small sample <laughs> is that in the Midwest for some reason I get a lot of tickling appointments and clients and I don't know why my friends think that is this one of my friends I told my friend that and she's like that is that is just the sweetest thing that like the Midwesterners they just want tickling <laughs> like and that's what they want that's their kink um, I find Um, certain things because I tour the South a lot. I find that a lot of people in the South are sort of because they're even more so the sort of Societal norms are are very heteronormative, like very old-fashioned, very much like men are men, you know, whatever that means, and like women are women. So it's like I find a lot of people are into like sort of cross-dressing and like being humiliated down there because that so goes against like everything that they're allowed or expected to do, Um, you know. So those are those are just a couple of sort of very casual observations I've had over the last few years.
0: Like the thing that feels the most taboo, which is very funny about the Midwest thing because I'm from the Midwest Mm -hmm. and I could see that. to that,
1: tickling? Just wink. Just not, two uh, winks. Yes. when we know. <laughs>
0: you no. Know, no, I mean, not as definitely not as like a sexual thing. And and I think I have a pretty low tolerance for tickling because mm-hmm. it's it, I'm very mm-hmm. sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think that's really fascinating that the thing that I might find a little bit unbearable or like I could only take in small doses, mm-hmm. other people will pay to have like major sessions because it's so sexually igniting. The, mm-hmm. That's what I find so cool about sexuality is how how diverse and you know fluid and different mm-hmm. we all are, and at the same time also we're all very similar. And we're all very unique. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I love when people can explore their different kinks, whatever it is, from tickling to like more extreme things. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. Do you have any um, fetishes that you just? don't they get such a uncomfortable or like you just don't like it like for me um, a foot fetish I wouldn't be able to really mm-hmm. engage in because I, I I can't do yoga too close to other people's feet. Oh really <laughs> yeah like if I see a bare foot near me, I can't eat.
1: Oh, like <laughs> I, I get a little
0: cringy for some reason, um, mm-hmm. and I have no like rational belief about mm-hmm. feet. I think feet are great, but mm-hmm. but for example, like mm-hmm. that would be a hard one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were working as an tricks mm-hmm. to engage in, do you have something that you're like, oh, I can't, I can't really do that one?
1: Yeah, the things that I don't engage in are things that are more like extreme medical play. So like needles, suturing, like saline injections, those kinds of things. And it's just because I don't really particularly finely, I don't find that I have the skill to do that, nor do I want to, you know, like when I have requests for sessions like that, I honestly refer them to someone I know who's a registered nurse and has been so for over twenty years. And I'm like, that's that's like safe, you know, like I'm never really gonna hurt anyone by spanking them. So so those are the things that I don't really engage in and anything submissive on my part. So.
0: Yeah, that's really important to know that there are experts who know how to do things safely because Mm -hmm. safety is so important. And I know that there's um, a misperception some people have about BDSM that it's inherently dangerous Mm -hmm. or, but that is kind of the opposite of Mm -hmm. one of the tenants about it being, it has to be safe.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, good BDSM, you know, is safe. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's malpractice suits because like doctors are supposed to be safe, but they're, they're not. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that I'm constantly concentrating in terms of what I'm doing with clients and, you know, one on one where sometimes they want something really extreme. And I'm like, Okay, we can go there, but probably not the first time. I've just met you. I don't know what your limits are. You don't have any references. And again, something that I'm always trust, uh, stressing in my classes like, even if it's for something like bondage or anything light, like, I'm always talking about the things that you should never do with someone because there's a lot of different ways that you can tie a knot. There's a lot of different ways you can even spank someone. But like, the way that people die every year in BDSM is always the same it's because someone is doing something like breath play breath play is very dangerous um because you're cutting off circulation of someone's airflow um that's how people die or if people are being tied up and left alone um that's not sexy that's not cute that's literally how people die every year whether it like is you know that way in the newspaper or not but but that is what happens so yeah safety is very important to me
0: yeah i when i was in middle school somebody attending the same school um died through the auto erotic asphyxiation Mm. and uh it was so sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's always so sad mm-hmm. when when somebody dies, especially so young, or from. Mm-hmm. Y- you want pleasure, and mm-hmm. to know that there are resources um, and people who are expert in particular things to make sure that it's safe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is so important. Which is also why it's really um, important to destigmatize a lot of these things, because people will do things on their own because they're ashamed mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. have this fetish.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, and that's why, like, I try to do classes. Actually, specifically, I have a class for breath play so people can know how to do that thing safely. And when people ask me about something like that, I I always say, like, look, be careful. Do less. Just having, like, something like a hand on your throat can be intense and, you know, give you that same feeling. But, like, cutting your breath supply off for, like, any period of time, it can cause, like, you know, irresistible reversible you know brain damage and things like that so but yeah like now I mean um, not to date either of us but like I don't think internet was super big in middle school you know so oh, no. yeah no so I it did wasn't, not have internet yeah in <laughs> so now it's like we have like resources whether you yeah. can like actually talk to a person or see them in person or have the resources or accessibility to do that but now it's like you can research what breath play is and like how to do that safely and and you know better information is on the internet I mean it's sort of like you kind of kind of. Have to parse through some things, but it, there, at least there's like more information and it's more in the forefront where we're talking about these things and like both good and bad ways about like how unfortunately people are dying, but also how there's like other information out there to prevent these things and, and have more fun and, and destigmatize those.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a wonderful listener question related mm-hmm. to bondage mm-hmm. that our resident um, psychologist out in New York City, Dr. Megan Fleming, will answer. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. It comes from Allison, who wrote this, is bondage a good way to spice up your sex life? Thinking about things to try with my long-time partner. Allison, here is what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say.
2: Allison, First, I just want to say I love your question, mostly because, you know, I often talk about foreclosure of imagination. It's the recognition that in a long-term relationship, it is always possible to spice up your sex life. And bondage certainly is a great place to start. But most of all, I'm just excited that you recognize and anybody listening, I want them to hear that, um, as I always say, monogamy doesn't equal monotony. So let's dig into what are some ways to spice up your sex life. You know, when it comes to bondage, I think the first thing I want to say is, I think it's important to really talk through what are your interests around it, what might be the turn-ons, as well as your boundaries. You know, some of the parts that are exciting is it's really an opportunity to sort of play with power, right? You know, traditionally, which one of you is more uh, potentially in the dominant role or in the submissive role, and it's also the fun opportunity to see, you know, whether or not what happens when you switch, right, and playing with the other side. But I think, as I said, first you want to sort of explore, you know, when you're going out of your comfort zone, you know, what is it that is sort of the turn on? And that could be perhaps starting with a discussion of fantasy or, you know, the idea, what about it turns you on? Because I often say, come up with a list of sort of, you know, when it's out of your comfort zone, what sort of yes, no, and not for now. But the great thing about playing with the restraints, as I said, is that sense of really um, stepping into a heightened sense of being in a power play position, right? Dominant or submissive. And, you know, the idea of the restraint, especially if you've not done that before, again, it's the anticipation, it's the novelty, and it certainly could be handcuffs, tie or scarf. You know, you could use anything that you might have around. Or, again, the fun of a new sex toy, right? Like a handcuff. Um, And you might also want to think about the potential role of adding a blindfold because that not only builds anticipation and sort of that tension around it, but it also heightens the senses, right? When we take off or one of our senses, the others are more amplified. And then you might want to also consider, you know, in this beyond sort of the power dynamic, is there going to be things like spanking? And if so, is this everything from playful taps to pinches and everything? Is it from light to hard? You know, I have clients who, you know, discuss with their partners whether or not they want to leave marks. Now, for a beginner, I don't think that's probably something you're going to be entertaining. In fact, I would say definitely take it slow, but it's to recognize this is a whole new landscape of things that you haven't tried. Um... And if you want to take some sort of coursework on it, uh, you might want to check out kinkacademy.com or another great place for ideas and sort of tutorials in a sense is thebadgirlsbible.com. So, in terms of this piece, I want you to sort of take it slow, explore, communicate, and have fun. But I also want to say that in addition to bondage, other things to sort of explore when spicing up your sex life might include things like sexting, role play. As I mentioned earlier tapping into and exploring both of your fantasies. It could be going for toy shopping and trying something new in the bedroom. Um, and these are just a few of the ways in which we can spice up our sex life. I think so often it's important to recognize you just want to get out of the routine. So many couples fall into what we describe as sort of scripted sex, meaning it's sort of the same time, same positions. And that's when the, because it's so script, scripted, it can feel monotonous, right? And so that is the important piece, I think, in a long-term relationship is that, again, our biggest sex organs are mind. So how are we using our mind? And then what actions are we taking, right? To always keep the recognition that, you know, the exploration. I You've heard me say before, and I firmly believe that your relationship is the safety net. And it's through the commitment, the safety and the security of the relationship that you can actually push your boundaries, right? And you can try on things that are out of your comfort zone. Um, And really, we always know that the growth is always in the discomfort. So I would love to hear how it goes. And I also want to encourage you, um, I'm going to be having a nine-day pleasure challenge coming up. So I'd love you to be a part of that. And If you're interested in hearing more and to register, go to greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash girl boner. And when you do, you're going to receive my bonus of clitoral play, seven techniques for mind blowing pleasure. So hope you join and can't wait to hear how everything goes.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. She actually decided to change that link uh, for her pleasure challenge. It's greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure. Greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure. The link is also down in the show notes on your app. And I love what she had to say about, you know, easing in and and knowing there are many different things to to try. Uh, Justine, what struck you?
1: Um, yeah, I don't really have too much else to add to that because it was a really good um, explanation probably it touched on pre- everything that I would say about talking about like what bondage would, um, you know, potentially do for you, you want to be in the dominant or submissive role, what it might bring up for you in terms of like why you want to try it. All of those things are so amazing. Um, the only thing that I would add is that... Um, while because um, she just talked about negotiation before the scene, um, but before you're doing something with BDSM, we call it a scene. We have to have our own little language. Um, but you know, before the scene and all that negotiation before, which is all great. Um, the only thing I would add is doing a check-in during the scene. So you could discuss all of these things. You could say, okay, I want to feel submissive, like, so I want you to tie up my wrists, and, like, spanking is okay, and, like, let's have sex. And then like, you could be halfway into this and then realize, oh, wait, I actually don't like this. I don't like where this is going. I want you to untie me right now. You don't have to, like, think to yourself, well, but I said yes, like, 20 minutes ago, so therefore I have to see this thing through. No, you can just, like, you know, uh, have a safe word. Um, I think that's a good thing to discuss, like, uh, using something like a traffic light system, green, yellow, red, or something like uh, a word like mercy or a strange word like popcorn to just call off the entire action um, because then you can uh, it gives you the opportunity to sort of check in mid scene and change things Um, you know because I've I've done this with people that I've played with for for years even for myself I we've thoroughly discussed a scene we totally know what we want and then like halfway through we're like actually this isn't going the way that we want and that gives us an opportunity to kind of pull back or redirect it um, and that's good Um, and then also after this is over to do something called aftercare which is the check-in and just you know what do you want after the sort of scene or experience is over, do you want to be? Do you want it to be more of like this brutal scene where you're just like left there and it's like fucked up but awesome, or do you want like cuddling and like ice cream and like petting and stuff like that? Or you know, this also gives you and your uh, partner the opportunity to kind of discuss like what you really loved or what you didn't like or like what might have come up for you. And you know that and there I think is like the sort of growth um, that she discussed about. Like sometimes there's like discomfort and then it moves into growth, um, and I think that's a really wonderful thing to do. Do, um, after you're playing,
0: I love that concept of the aftercare, especially mm-hmm. because anything new can feel really intense, and some of these activities aren't intense mm-hmm. on their own. Definitely, and to be able to kind of decompress and and check in, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, really so some,
1: yeah, uh, sometimes things come up and you don't know they're gonna come up in like good ways or bad ways. Like sometimes you like, oh my god, I just remembered something that happened and it was awful, or like, whoa, I didn't think I was gonna like that, but I'm really into it. <laughs> it's like we have to do that again. Let's like pull out our calendars and just schedule the next time. Um, so yeah, that that's really important, and and you know sometimes that can happen immediately after. Sometimes you know you can do it a couple days after if you t- have time to like process and think about things, and you know that's fine too. But I think that's where like the growth and like the deeper connection comes from with a partner that you're the ongoing partner
0: have you discovered things about your own sexuality that surprised you through this work Uh, since you're engaging in so many different activities and with so many different Mm -hmm. people I'm curious if you've had similar epiphanies yourself
1: um, you know, I can't really think of too many because I'm I'm really always on the dominant side, and this you know I don't really do anything submissive. Um, you know, but I the one joke that I always tell is that you know uh, my partner um, is also dominant, but um she's really beautiful and wonderful at flogging. So with like the whip, so she does this like amazing. It's so beautiful, and every time we have an event or party, you know people are like lined up, they want to play with her and stuff. And so one day I said, okay, fine, like you do it to me, like let's just try it, and. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna do it. And then she starts hitting me, and it's like very soft floggers, and it it like it's barely you know touching me. And I'm like, ow, oh, that hurts. Quit it. Stop it. Okay, never mind. You know. And it's just like funny because I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try. I'm willing to go there and do something with someone that I know is safe. That's like kind of outside of my comfort zone, but I know that she's really wonderful at it and beautiful, and I trust her. But I was like, no, not for me. Great. Okay. You know. So that that was like a good you know. But that's like where I like okay, like I I you know. I'm testing myself. I'm I'm pushing my own you know boundaries and self in that way. But yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting. And I appreciate too that you make it very clear that while you value BDSM and it's this lively part of your life and it's your career as well, that it's okay to not be into BDSM. And something that I encounter a lot in certain segments of my audience are um, feelings of inadequacy because they feel like. Oh my gosh, I'm so vanilla, so I'm not cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it's like it, sometimes it seems like everyone's doing this thing. Like, you know, I remember on like the movie, like Girl Six or something, they had this conversation about like this couple's like, everyone's doing doggy style. That's what's in right now. We should be doing that. And it's like, yeah, like some of the stuff is good that's like coming out because then we can sort of talk about it in like the mainstream and, and we can purchase these things and it's fun and it, it's some things like spice up the sex life it, it's like so cliche but it's also like so what needs to happen to so many people but it's like you know you there's so many things um in the big umbrella of bdsm that most people are probably participating in some form of bdsm and don't know it like like role play or you know um liking certain different kinds of uh restraints or something like that but it's like The thing about BDSM and what I'm teaching and, for example, something like my BDSM 101 classes is that it's less about the skill but more about the – the, these sort of tenets of like all of these things are going to help you in your life whether you decide to continue doing BDSM or want to do that or not. So it's like things like negotiation. Like you can negotiate your sex before you have it and most people don't. Like, you know, and when uh, so, uh, people who are playing in, in BDSM, we thoroughly negotiate what's going to happen before, during, and after. And most people don't do that in sex. And a lot of people don't do that in situations that have nothing to do with sex. Like I always give the example of, um, you know, going to your partner, partners. Uh, you know, parents house for dinner, because that's usually very fraught, you know, so you can say things like, okay, I only want to stay for two hours. And you know, if your father says anything racist, I want to leave. And like, you have to hold my hand the whole time. And and then that sort of gives you a boundary and a framework to work within. And then your partner says, okay, I hear you. I agree to that. Um, if I check in with you at like the one and a half hour mark, and you want to stay a little bit longer, will that be okay? And then that person can say, okay, that sounds okay. You know, so all of these things like it, this will help you, and this has certainly helped me in, in my personal life in terms of uh, sex, but also in terms of things that have nothing to do with sex and negotiation um, outside of that in, in just the general world.
0: That makes yeah. a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. because certainly since starting my own work in the sexual empowerment space, I have found myself much better able to practice those consent and boundary muscles Mm -hmm. in all areas Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of my life. And it really highlights the many ways that we are taught not to. And also how we have, it's very natural or I should say common Mm -hmm. to have discomfort around things like, I don't want to be friends with that person. That's Mm -hmm. okay. You don't have to Mm -hmm. be friends with that, you know, just like these, these situations that feel very, um, taboo, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're supposed to be nice to everyone and you're supposed to, you know, um, even going out to dinner, for example, with a bunch of friends, negotiating are we going to pay for ourselves? Are we going to split the check? Like, mm-hmm. those are things that there's not a lot of training for.
1: No, there, there isn't. there There isn't training for a lot of boundaries. And this is why a lot of people are in therapy. <laughs> like, you know, what I mean, because it's like a lot of it is not about having good, strong boundaries. And, you know, something of my friends are always saying to me, they're like, you have really good boundaries. You're like, here's the line. I'm over here. Don't cross it. And it's like, this has sort of prevented me from having like a lot of drama in my life. Like in later years, I'm like, you know, what? I'm not going to deal with that. Like, here's my line. This is the boundary. Like, I'm over here having a good time making money and like traveling and like you're over there like I don't know what's going on you know but if you need help I'll help you if you want to you know deal with this but it's like I think that um, and and a lot of my friends who are doms or like other sex work professionals because they've had to develop really good boundaries really early on um, they've found that that helps them also in their personal lives or even sex lives where it's like you know they are even like witnessing other women or people on dates and like you know like, uh, some guy is just, like, over-talking them and, you know, just not paying attention. And they're just looking at, like, this is so sad. I would have left, like, a long time ago if I was not getting paid for this or even if I was getting paid, <laughs> you know, which makes it, you know, even more interesting where it's, like, sometimes you have to fire a client or you don't want to – you have certain boundaries that's not like, oh, I do whatever you want just because you're paying me. Um, but I think that that's really helpful. And, you know, the um, there was a really great line in Transparent. um Carr said – she said um, – I'm sorry if my boundary is your trigger, you know, because once you start laying down boundaries, people flip their shit, you know, they don't like that. Like people, you know, but then, but then you meet other people who also have good boundaries and then they understand, oh, okay, cool. This is your boundary. I see where you are. It's so much more clear.
0: Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, I have a friend who teaches about consent and it's so refreshing that like she was at my house once and she was just tired and wanted to take a nap Mm -hmm. and just, said, hey, I, I would really like to take a nap. And it just really struck me as this really unique thing because how often do we go places and we're exhausted and we just power through because mm-hmm. you don't want to seem, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And just knowing that because I know that she's specialized in this too, it, it just, when we do go out for lunch, for example, mm-hmm. if I say I have to be somewhere at a certain time, mm-hmm. she is the one who's like, okay, we need to wrap this up. Like she's she's so good about the boundaries and I think that that's a really powerful a powerful thing for us to model and to mm-hmm. extend from our sex life into our lives and vice versa.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's a big myth about sex workers
1: that you would like to debunk? Um, that they always have sex with someone? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many. Like, I, you know, I feel like I'm so deep in this world. I'm like, what are the myths? Well, um, tell us more
0: about that one. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that mm-hmm. it may not involve sex.
1: No, a lot of the time it doesn't. I mean, and it's also like, what is sex then? You know, I mean, I think that something that I talk about is that, you know, I'm under the umbrella of sex work, but I'm not really having sex with my clients in terms of like penis, vagina sex or anything that ends in job. But it's like quite often someone is having some kind of release at the end of our time together, you know, depending on my participation with that. Um, But even so, like a lot of people who are even... um, uh, you know calling themselves escorts a lot of it is about companionship and isn't necessarily about like the sex And but of course like a lot of it is like don't think like that's not what's happening um, you know I think that is and it's like I think that um, you know like all things like I think we kind of get lumped in with like this sort of um, millennial cruise uh, sometimes in terms of like like influencers as though like we don't work very hard and re- we just like wake up every day and look fabulous or something like that. And it's like that's not real. Like if anything, like I've probably learned more and done more um, as running my own business than anything else because I've had to do the things like know all my social media, know how to do website, know how to, um, you know, have interactions with clients and like set up different um financial institution things and, you know, all sort of other – all the things that would happen in a business. And also you have to be even more clever or crafty because of the, like, sort of puritanical, like, situation that's going on in the United States and just, like, how we are not adult-friendly in a lot of ways that are very very much targeted against women because they form the majority of the adult, you know, uh, sex industry workforce.
0: What about this myth that – sex workers many of them are are gold diggers
1: uh yeah I don't really find that true because if we were gold diggers then we would why would we be working (laughs) you know we like why you know it's like if it you know I find that like I see like on more um like social media like people who are not sex workers are like talking about how they want to like find a man and like marry him and like settle down and do this and it's like you know sort of like more sex workers that I know they actually have partners already and they're just like I just want to work and like have my fun and and do my shit and like that's fine but it's like I mean I like if that were true there would it, it, I I just find that so hilarious that like people would think that because we wouldn't be working then because it's like what what like multi-millionaire is going to be like yeah I'm going to like settle down with this nice girl I made on, met on Craigslist and that's going to fly like that's just not like even in today's world like this just not going to happen I've right. you know so
0: and any job like if you were a gold digger then kind of the idea of that is you're trying to get something without working.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? and that, sex work is work. Uh, that is work. I mean, but also, you know, um the thing is is that like I, again, it's like we're we're sort of putting down like the female gold digger how you know the the trope. However, it's like who is making more money than anyone else? You know, men are making more Um, money than women, except for in the sex industry where women are making more than men. So like, is it actually a terrible idea for women who have been programmed to do this for like a millennia to find a man who's like wealthy to take care of them and settle down that we're like suddenly... Um, upset that this is happening in our modern times. Like, we're not making the same amount of money as men. It's actually financially um, more stable to find a man who's making more money than you because he's going to make more money than you for the rest of your life, unless you're a sex worker.
0: That's true. Based on statistics, it's yeah. much more likely. And and there's also nothing wrong with wanting to be a stay-at-home mom, for example. Yeah, and that's and a job. You need and that's to... a job. Right, exactly. Yeah. And But you wouldn't be making money for that specifically right Right, and correct, so- Yeah, you're
1: not necessarily making money outside the home but like I don't think it's a I, I don't uh, yeah if that's what you want to be in terms of like that you want to be a stay-at-home parent or something like that I don't think that that's like a terrible I think generally speaking based on things that I've seen to happen to many of my friends and their partners I don't think it's a good idea for any one person to be supporting another person I think that's just like bad, bad idea. Like, you don't have to go out and, like, have this, like, whatever you want to do, like, but just really make choices that um, are probably, like, good long-term solutions. Like, people, there's no, there's nothing sure but death and taxes. People get laid off. People lose their jobs all the time. And it's like, you know, don't, don't just be sitting there twiddling your thumbs and being like, oh, well, he's going to take care of me. Like, I don't think that's a great idea.
0: Or assuming that if you're a woman who dates men, that the man will, or should pay for everything. I find that sets up some gameplay. I mean, oh. maybe you've well, that, but, but, but. Thing. do you? <laughs> no, please tell me. I'm curious because like this is, you know, everything's through the lens of our personal experience, right? Right, right, of course. And so for me, I've just noticed that I feel much more empowered when like my partner now I've been with for years mm-hmm. I wanted to pay for myself at our first date and it wasn't Mm -hmm. that that weird advice of like just pretend you want to pay like I really was Mm -hmm. like let's pay for ourselves and it just I felt so equal to me Mm -hmm. and just I love that he didn't he wasn't like oh no you can't but I had controlling exes so Mm -hmm. you know so that's my own experience Um, how do you feel about it?
1: Um, Well, first of all, I just want to mention that I'm queer. So most of the people I've dated for the last 10 years are female. um, And so most of my experiences um, with men have been professional. So they're always paying for me. Um, But, you know, I think one thing that um, was explained to me like many years ago is that, you know, what... What you have put into your effort in terms of your look, like, I mean, and we're talking about this on a binary of, like, male-female dating because this is where it comes up the most, I think, is that, you know, know, a woman going out and, you know, spending, like, an hour or two getting ready and, like, her outfit and her hair and her nails and, like, all these things that are happening, like – what the guy is paying for is the privilege of sitting across the table from you. And that's how I feel about it where it's like, everyone gets to look around and see that like he is with me. And like, I have had dates like unnecessarily parade me around like the room, like being like, where's our table? Where are we going? And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's, I'm hot. I know. It's cool. Hello. Everybody. You know, It's just like I know what that's up, you know, so that and it, it's funny. And but again, it's like what is and again, it goes back to what I said earlier is that, like you know, um, you know, when you're in a longer term relationship, you kind of want to pay into proportionately who's making the certain amount of money. But again, like, chances more often than not that guy that is sitting across from you even if he's in the same position as you is making more money than you and that is also why he must pay for my dinner um i love golden girls and there is an episode of where blanche was like dating a guy and he hadn't dated anyone for a while so he was looking at like modern rules of dating and he was splitting everything with her and stuff and he's like i thought women wanted to be treated equally to men and she says oh honey no and he goes no and she says no i want to be treated much better than you <laughs> you know so true i love Love golden girls. Oh, yeah, they're amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really interesting point. And you know, when I first moved to LA, I was working as an actress, and mm-hmm. a lot of my um, guy friends were actors and not mm-hmm. making much money. Mm-hmm. And so I did feel like there was a lot of pressure on them. Like they felt, you know, like they had to had to make more money, or they couldn't date or something. But there are also ways, I think, to make things like if you make less money maybe you put together a creative date that didn't cost very much sometime or you cook something or bake something or
1: yeah and that would be my advice like I don't want to pretend to live in a world where like everyone has like extra money disposable income to go out on dates but it's like in that case like I wouldn't make it about like who's paying for what on this date I'd make it more creative in terms of like let's go on a date that is costing less or is more creative and there's like lots of fun free or low cost things to do in various cities and like I would make it more about that, to be fair. But like, otherwise, like, no, I'm not paying for dinner. Like, <laughs> No, 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 no. Like these shoes cost more than dinner. Like, absolutely not, which I also did not pay for. But, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> you are so in the best profession for you. I love it. I mean, I could just see you at a date and like you're glowing because there's there's almost like a
1: spotlight on you. Oh, there is. There is. There's like a natural glow. Like, But I mean, but men are paying me for that experience. And also, you know, they, they are paying for my time and company. And, you know, um, I think that um, everyone, um, but probably more so women, is that they need to understand that that is their value. That someone is, your time is valuable, whether someone is paying for your time or not. And I had one of my um, friends, like she was going on a bunch of really crappy dates, and and she's like, I was on this date for like four hours. It was horrible. It's like, why were we on a date for four hours if it sucked? Like, leave. And I was like yelling, I'm like, your time is valuable. You're amazing. You need to go out with someone who's amazing too. And like, you're valuable. And she's kind of like, I don't yeah. And then and then like her next like date it was like someone that she ended up marrying and she told me later, she said, you know, that advice that you gave me that you yelled at me one day in like the pool, she's like that was so helpful and I really felt like that it she's like it empowered myself to like find value in myself and then you know, you find better people and better dates. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's, yeah. That's wonderful that you were able to help her in that way. I and know. that later that must have been fulfilling for sure to hear that it, it paid off. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that both you and your partner are dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that some people might wonder, well, how does that work? Because you always think, don't you need to have a dominant and a submissive?
1: Yeah, um well I don't want to get into too much of our personal lives but um I will say that we we do co-top with people so um we'll have like a submissive or two um like at different events or parties or something and like we're both dominating them and that is really fun um and then also we'll do things like where um, she'll put on a show for me and like I get to watch her dominating someone and that's really hot for me um but overall like we we have such a fun and awesome wonderful relationship that is very playful and not just playful in terms of like bdsm like just playful in general and it's so wonderful uh being with someone who we communicate really well together where it's like you know yes there's obviously a lot of like bdsm and kink and like fun sex in our lives but it's like everything else is also really wonderful where it's like we'll you know discuss like what we're gonna do in terms of a scene or something and then sometimes oh that didn't work well but like we're both So, uh, you know, there's such a good, strong base between us that there's no like, oh, my God, what happened here? Like, you know, it's just like, oh, that didn't work out. Oh, okay, cool. Let's just like change it next time. Um, And I find that so incredibly valuable and wonderful to have with a partner. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's
0: that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I've heard some people who are sex workers say that they sometimes feel more like therapists. Do you Mm -hmm. feel that way?
1: Um, sometimes like it depends on how much someone wants to open up to me. Um, you know, I mean, I love telling people what to do. So that works for me. Um, you know, but it um, sometimes that even if it's not about them sort of sharing like their personal side or talking to me a lot, a lot of like what we're going through in terms of the scene, because it's so cerebral and there's like a lot of talking and, and like sort of like mind control and and action and talking them into this space like subspace or something like that at the end of it like they're like oh my god like I've been wanting to do that for years they're like I love that fantasy or, or something like that and it becomes a release for them in so many different ways um, and that becomes therapeutic in and of itself without me just like talking them through like their mommy issues or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of emotional work that can happen, but won't necessarily. I think that's an important, important point for sure. Do you feel that sex workers um, could be very beneficial as almost like, almost like sex educators or even Maybe even people um, who come in to help you explore something and learn more about yourself. Uh, Is that something you recommend? Maybe somebody listening who is is curious about mm-hmm. dipping into, say, BDSM and they don't, maybe they don't have access to a partner. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that for the um, the caring sex worker who's interested in working with someone like that, I mean, def- uh, certainly a lot, I, I wouldn't say everyone, there's like millions of sex workers, um, but definitely the, the sort of class and sort of uh, people that I am hanging out with and friends with, like, they're actually very interested in working with couples, with women, with people who want to talk through things and explore and might not be so much, in the practical, but more in the theoretical, um, we're a really great source and sort of undervalued and under-resourced because we've been doing, we, we're doing this every day for like many, many years. And it's like, we've like seen it, we've heard it, we've experienced it, like we know how to work through it. And, um, you know, that's something that people really want because it's like, we we want you to have a good time. <laughs> like You know, like, because we want to have a good time with you. It's like, I mean, I think that, um, you know, no one... The, the sort of pride that a lot of women, or I'm sorry, a lot of sex workers have with their job is different than other people because it's like, there's not really like review boards. It's like, but we're really choosing choosing every single day to participate in this in a way that um, other people aren't participating in. They're like nine to fives where you go in and like, you know, punch in, clock out, you know, do the thing. It's like, whether you show up or not, like you're going to make money. Like we only make money if we're really good at our job. And certainly with like various things that have happened recently, um, you know, in the U.S. and through social media about like how we're um, sort of being a lot more targeted now, we really have to actively choose so much more every day. So trust me, the people who are doing really well, that you see them out there doing really well all the time, they're really good at what they're doing. And they really want to be there. And they really love it so much. And they're really good at their job. So
0: yeah, I have know. to say I've I have learned a lot about that um, in the past 10 years or so mm-hmm. that contrasted very much what I learned growing up yeah. about sex workers. Well,
1: what was your myth? Like, what did you what did you remember? Can you remember from over 10 years ago? What Oh, totally. Was?
0: Like a- yeah. When I was a kid, I remember learning that if you were a sex worker, which I think I only heard the words like prostitute Mm -hmm. or if you were in porn, that you were, um, like if a woman was doing it, that she was being forced to do it Mm -hmm. and she was probably being treated very badly Mm -hmm. um, and that it was basically like a really sinful thing to engage in Mm -hmm. as a consumer or, Mm -hmm. you know, someone even looking at sexy pictures, for example. Mm -hmm. I I grew up around a lot of um, religious people Mm -hmm. and... um, Yeah, it wasn't it really wasn't until around the time I was starting Girl Boner that I really started to understand how much of those were lies. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly there are you can be a street sex worker and maybe it felt like your it's your only choice and
1: like, survival sex work. Sure. Survival yeah, but yeah, sex work. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, that, that totally. is a thing. And it's like, I mean, but, like, let's talk about being forced into a job. Like, we're all forced into a
2: job. Completely. Is Is
1: anyone, like, not forced into a job? Does anyone really want to work? I mean, we may have all picked jobs and careers that we like more than some others, but, like, we're all forced to work. And, you know, I think, um, I think when you're talking about sex work, it's really important to divide it into, well, you uh, sort of like three categories and you know it's like there's there's sex work that i do that i'm choosing to do this like i'm absolutely this is totally my choice of class and privilege and all that and then there's survival sex work where it's like well if i like kind of had any other choice i probably wouldn't do this but we don't really have that and then this isn't really sex work but this is very different from the two other that i described which is human trafficking and that's there's absolutely no choice and you know that that has nothing to do with this and people are being completely forced and you know uh, a movie that came out not too long ago based on the book ordeal by um oh, the name just escapes me, but it was the person who did, um like, Deep Throat, the porn actress, and, like, oh, okay. do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I can't remember the yeah, name either, um, but, yeah. Lorna, anyway, but, you know, she was in porn, and then very famously came out, uh, same, a born-again Christian was, like, very anti-porn because she was completely trafficked. She was completely trafficked by her husband and abused, and that was, like, you know, she was a victim of, trafficking and patriarchy not of the porn industry and you know if honestly she would, her husband unfortunately was very ahead of his time in terms of making her a product if she was the person choosing that you know now like even like 10 years ago she would have been jenna jameson famous and had all that money and you know or i don't know how much money she has jenna jameson but you know someone like that famous and like being a product and she would have made millions but it would have been her money if it was like her choice in a way that was different so. yeah
0: thank you for differentiating because I mm-hmm. think that's a really common misperception yeah. still is that that um that if you are being forced into it then that is quote unquote sex work and as mm-hmm. you're saying it that's trafficking and mm-hmm. it's abuse and it's yeah yeah it's it's so awful and I have found that sex workers who choose the work um, they want to stop trafficking. Probably more than other people. I mean, at least as much. Right. Because you're such caring people. um, You know what a vulnerable space that is to share um, Mm -hmm. that when sex is involved and Mm -hmm. then to to have and to know so much about sex Mm -hmm. and intimacy. You you know what that problem is. And we should be leaning more on sex workers for help in that area, I think, Mm -hmm. for sure.
1: Oh, Linda Lovelace. Yes.
0: Linda Lovelace. Linda Lovelace. Yes. She came out,
1: you know, as being anti-porn after being in the porn industry and being very famous. Like, you know, like Hollywood, it would have been like at that time like A-list sort of famous going to these premieres and it was in the mainstream and all these things but all the things that happened to her were awful, god awful and terrible and around other people who saw that she was being abused and like you know, gang raped and I think it was just like awful. It was just awful what happened to her and I'm not surprised she came out against porn but it's you know, it, it's not because of porn, it's because of the abuse she, of her husband, of the people around her who didn't say anything, these bystanders. And it's just really unfortunate. And I think that's what gives um, some work a bad name. But it's like, you know, we don't have the same um, feeling in terms of like, um, you know, uh, like people who were felted like when the economy crashed in 2008, like, is anyone going after like these people in the same sort of way that like they lost like all of their money? And it's like, oh, well, that was just I mean, it was a terrible mistake. But like, wasn't that They don't try to shut down the industry. Yeah, they're not shutting down the industry. (laughs) Like they're not shutting down the industry and they're not, you know, no one is coming out and like saying, well, no one's writing a book saying I am anti-banking institution and like you get supporters for that, even though that is what caused the problem that you had. So um, it's just unfortunate and I think that it's important to distinguish these things. But again, it's like you don't have to be into porn. You don't have to love it. You don't have to be into it. Fine. But it's like in order to understand these things in terms of like, um, you know, who who is being affected and how by these terrible things. Um, And unfortunately it ends up being women and it's usually because of men. Um, So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Very well Mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing Mm -hmm. that. What's some of your favorite sex advice to give people? I imagine Mm -hmm. people ask you so often Mm -hmm. because you are expert and have so much experience for people who want to, Turn up the pleasure mm-hmm. over the holidays or into the new year. What what would you
1: recommend? <laughs> Don't use a candy cane. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the holidays, yeah. Use guilt though. No. Um, so, oh yeah, you know, oh, I I think like the one thing is like, you know, really just talking to each other. I think it's hard to create a space to talk to people um, because sometimes like things are scary or it's intimidating to talk about your fantasy. Um, So what I tell people is, you know, instead of just springing it on someone, you know, like um, to say, hey, like I want to talk, you know, like sort of, pre-talk about the talk say hey i have something i want to discuss with you like when is a good time and place for you to do that um i want to talk about like some sexy things i want to try with you and i'm really excited but like i'm also an insert like a little intimidated a little scared or something because then it sets the tone where someone can be someone is hopefully if you're with a partner who really cares about you then they immediately become like open and receptive of like oh okay i'm going to be compassionate to my partner now versus like it's not good to kind of say to someone like as you're like passing each other." like, you know, by the bananas, like, hey, I want to spank you tonight. And it's like, what, huh? You know, what happened here? You know, so like, I think that's good to have like a pre-talk about the talk and, and then discuss those things in that way. Um, And then also I always tell people, you know, just to just to like have, um, you know, in ease with yourself and to, you know, be easy with with each other. Because again, it's like you might talk about something and it doesn't quite go the way that you want it to go. Or it's something, oh, this was my fantasy and I want to do this forever. And then it happens and then it doesn't go well. And you can kind of think through and talk about why it didn't. But to be easy with yourself, you're totally going to fuck up. Like absolutely expect to relish in fucking up. And then just like talking about it later, um, you know, and and I always try to use humor, humor in my, my sessions and play and stuff and you know one of the like, I always make the joke like I love doing something where I'm like, you know, walking around in like six inch heels all the time in the dungeons. Like someone's tied up on the other end of the room and I I trip or something and it's like I'm supposed to be like dominant and in control. And then I yell at the sleeve and I'm like, you fucking made me trip. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, mistress, you know? So just like have fun with it, you know, just just be easy with yourself. So yeah.
0: I appreciate that because I do think there is an idea that sex is supposed to seem Really seductive and smooth all the time. <laughs> and yeah. so often it's oh, goofy,
1: God. it's messy. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, Another thing, actually, when, I, when you said messy, it just reminded me of this – my friend um, who's older um, told me about these things called chucks that are used in, like, hospital beds. They're sort of, like, reusable puppy pads. They're used for, like – in, like, hospitals. They're sort of, like, liners. So, like, if you want to have, like, some messy sacks or, like, you know, you're a squirter. It's, like, your period. Put those down on the bed because they're, like, plastic lined. It's better than a towel because the towel soaks through. And then you have, like, a wet, heavy towel that's gross. But this, you just throw it in the wash and, like, you know – I really appreciate her ancient wisdom, as I call it. So great for period sex. Yes, it's super great for period sex and like squirting sex because you just like throw it in the wash and then it's done. It's clean. And like I'm never going back to towels. So it's so practical. Even black towels. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Get them on, well, I don't really like using Amazon, but like you can get them anywhere, hospital, supply store, whatever. Yeah.
0: So smart. Mm -hmm. I love it. Are you a resolution setter?
1: Are you Oh, yeah? fuck yes. Yeah? Oh my god. Huge <laughs> resolutions that are yes, yeah, so big. Yeah. I I don't know what I'm doing for 2020. Do you know your day?
0: <laughs> I'm not a big I don't do like traditional every uh, year. Um mm-hmm. generally, I'm always striving for mm-hmm. things, I guess. So, I I do take time at the end of the year uh, to really reflect though mm-hmm. on the year and and the direction I'm going and and all of that kind of stuff um which I think is important to mm-hmm. to do. I like to catch the last Sunset and the First Sunrise, No. Uh, just to sort of like symbolically, you know, mm-hmm. welcome that next year. And uh, yeah, so I ha- I haven't gotten to that reflective point just yet. <laughs> mm. What was your, do you remember yours last year?
1: Um, yeah, I can, yeah, well, for last year, um, well, I mean, you for this past year, this 2019, um, it was to be a tourist in my own town, um, to try different workout studios, um, to practice being more compassionate to people. And, um, you know, uh, I think I had like, one or two more. They're, like, on my whiteboard in front of my office, and I'm, I'm trying to think. But uh, just sort of, like, continuing to work on, like, my my business plan at large of like what I've written down and like I'm a big writer down of like everything I want to do for the year and like I set up all the different events that I want to do and people I want to connect with and just sort of sticking to that because I find when I stick to the things that I've already written down and done I do so much better and I just want to keep coming back to them like oh I've already figured this out I don't it's like there's no new plan I just got to keep doing the plan that I've like already thought about and done and just just keep going with that so that that feels really satisfying and, and I've accomplished a lot but I'm, I'm very am very hard on myself I'm I'm not a perfectionist I'm an overachiever and like I'm just like wait I didn't do I need to do so much more so much more I need I'm like I didn't do this I didn't do that you know it's like the end of the year and I'm like fuck what did I not do yet and so I'm trying to get it all And I'm like no I've done a lot like I I can you know rest easy I'm pretty accomplished so So maybe
0: your resolution should be to ease up on yourself
1: (laughs) yeah no when I say I'm hard on myself I'm not like literally like beef you know because I don't like pain so I'm not beating myself up literally I'm beating someone else up for it but you know like (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, I think that again, it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't want to paint the picture of like, I'm go, go, go. I'm very much also like, well... It's time for, like, a bath. It's t- like, you know, actually, when I left the house today, my partner was working. I was like, don't work. Go do a bath. Go do something nice for yourself. Go play, you know. So mm. I try to do all those things. But, yeah, I just um, – I don't know. Like, my, my um, you know, my general motto is work hard, play hard, be a good citizen. So
0: mm, – I love oh. that. And I love the be a tourist in your own town. That's a really cool resolution because so, so many of them are very negative negative and kind of self-shaming yeah a
1: lot of them are like lose 20 pounds or that you know and it's like I've I've never had those things like that it's like I try to like think of it like oh I want to try out like different workouts like for fun or like you know um I, I've never really prescribed to so much like a general diet fitness you know but I'm like oh I want to like try cooking more or like I want to try these different sorts of recipes and stuff like that and that's like yeah so much more positive and like empowering like instead of like don't smoke or like I you know what I mean like those kind of, I mean like I I think that's probably helpful in general for your health, but like, you know, trying to do things that are, uh, yeah, sort of more empowering and and positive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's why so many people quote unquote, fall off the wagon from the resolutions is because you just gave yourself this rule list of punishment instead of saying, unless punishment is your king, then you're like, (laughs) I want to be
1: punished more. Yeah. The people who are coming up with them are not like into punishment in that way though. But yeah. What were some of yours for this year?
0: You know, as we were talking, I realized I made uh, a doc on my computer that. It's called, like, Goals and Dreams by 2020. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to open that up. I do Mm. remember a few of the things, though. One of them was to work with a professional stylist, which I have. Uh I actually just had her on the show, uh, Rain Parvis. And uh, she styled me before my book tour, Mm -hmm. which was so wonderful because I didn't have to choose my own clothes, which – I appreciate, like, I want to feel good, but mm-hmm. I don't want to spend the time doing it. And I hate shopping. And yeah. and now she works, um, she's a stylist for Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. So she makes a commission. You can book a session. Mm-hmm. And it was just so helpful to have those things taken care of. So when I was packing, everything was set. And so that was definitely one of them. Um, let's see. What else did I have on the list? I uh, To create more opportunities for other people. Um, yeah, there's, there's several things. I need to go back to that because... It's so funny that it just struck me right now. It literally says 2020 on mm-hmm. the top. So oh, yeah. hopefully I've, I've done the things. Um, and if I haven't, I'm just going to change it to a one. And yeah, then there right.
1: we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like writing down, um, always writing down like goals and having deadlines or timelines to them is, you know, uh, people who write things down tend to do them more than people who don't. And people who write things down with like timelines or deadlines um, also End up doing them more than people who just write them down. So I'm always writing things down with a timeline and deadline, and and I find that it, it's so much more focused in terms of what you can do. And This is certainly what I advise for like other people and and to do. And you know, actually, I was just um uh, I had a client who wrote an article about me in the Guardian about how she ditched her therapist and hired me because I just was like, I'm going to tell you what to do. And one of the things was like, "Bitch, get a planner," <laughs> you know. It's like this quote, and I'm like, "You, of course, you're not getting anything done." I was like, "Well, what's your plan for today, your week, your month, your year?" And she's like, "Uh." I'm like, well, that's why you don't know. You don't know because you're not going to get it done, and and so it's so so important. And I always tell people, and it's hard. Like when you're a smaller like independent business person, a lot of people I find don't have business plans and goals. And I'm like, well, yeah, how's that working out? Not working out, huh? Yep, there you go. So it
0: applies to our sex lives and relationships mm-hmm. so well too, because I think it's really easy to think, oh, I wish that. My partner and I did such and such, or I want to meet someone who's into blank. Mm -hmm. And to think that when maybe you're fantasizing or something crosses your mind, but because pleasure often does fall to the wayside, if you don't make a plan, if you Mm -hmm. don't schedule it in, like scheduling sex can be so hot. I mean, obviously, you need to do that a lot for your work. I mean, the anticipation, I'm sure your clients get so much pleasure out of looking forward to that appointment Mm -hmm. like I'd never really thought about that and now it just like gave me a girl boner that's like very hot
1: (laughs) yeah no I think it's really important I'm, I'm a huge planner I have to be I'm very busy I'm scheduling things all the time but it's like the anticipation of like a session or like a play date is like I have a whole thing that I do with them it's like you know I'll say like okay well from the time that we make our appointment to like when I see you no jerking off but like you can touch yourself while looking at me but you cannot come and they're like you know and then depending on like and it's like I will tell them the things to do I don't know sometimes like real world like you can't obviously I'll tell them like okay you get to touch yourself every hour on the hour leading up to our appointment and whether they can do it or not it's just the thought that I've told them to do that and they're kind of thinking like I want to do it but obviously people are like they're in work they can't always but it's like that's super fun the anticipation is so much better and then it's like like scheduling sex becomes so much hotter but like you know I think we're in agreement it's like hey guys we all have to we all have to schedule sex like we're busy just do it it'll happen <laughs> if we're scheduling it and it won't you'll happen and then you glad you did yeah exactly yeah. and then if you get more sex bonus like spontaneous sex then it's like bonus sex you know, so totally
0: I love that so where can people learn more about you maybe if they're new to your work or learn about things that are coming up mm-hmm.
1: yeah um, the best place is to go to my website which is losangelastominatrix.com you can also find me on Instagram as the Justine Cross. And then if you go to get tickets, um, I put all my um, events up on Eventbrite and also follow me on Eventbrite because as soon as I make a event or a class, you get an alert. All my things sell out. Um, if you're in the Los Angeles area, I have a lot of things coming up in the new year because I will be doing open houses for both Dungeon East and Dungeon West. It is really the only time that I open the place up to the public. So I will have doms there. I will have wine. I will have cheese. It's very cute. Come on by. Um, you know, I also throw parties uh, like BDS Femme, which is an all women's play party. And that is happening in February. So that all of that stuff will be going live soon. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Fun. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to meet you in person. I've mm-hmm. been admiring your Instagram. Oh, so thank you. <laughs> everyone check it out. Your, your personality oh. and your gifts are very prevalent and you can see it. You seem to share really authentically and you really get a taste of the kinds of work that you do.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, August. I've, I've been did admire of you as well. And we're gonna be going. Can we say that we're going to Calexicon? Sure, we can. We are going to Calexicon. Ah, yeah, I'm excited. I saw it, I was like, I want to go to Calexicon. And so we are going with our friend Aaron Tillman, who's also been on this podcast a few times before, in August, and we're all gonna be on a panel uh talking about consent and what we bring to it for our different um from our different professions and line of work. So yeah. I'm very excited for that pool party. And yeah. And the talk. <laughs> I and love the that talk are
0: like the pool party. Oh
1: and that. <laughs> (laughs) talk and the talk well i know we're gonna kill it at the talk and we're just gonna kill it at the pool party it's gonna be amazing yes it's in vegas in
0: april correct yes awesome and if you're enjoying girl boner radio please hit subscribe in your app if you haven't and leave us a rating and review thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week and beautiful holidays and incredible rest of the year Girlboner Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast, brand, movement, and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.